0: Welcome to the Meridian Space. Today we are tuning in to our Changemaker series, one that is very personal and special to me. This is a series all about highlighting those beautiful, very brave and vulnerable souls that I have met along my personal journey to better healing, better life, better connection with myself. Along the way, there's been many uh, peers, many teachers and healers, And they've all inspired me so much that I wanted to give them an opportunity to share their wisdom, their trials and tribulations so that you guys that are listening can feel the same inspiration that I have and use it as a tool, as a way to hear a glimmer of hope whenever you feel stuck or that the circumstances surrounding you seem overwhelming You know, we need not look very far to find heroes here in our life. Sometimes we think that people that live far away or that have a lot of fame to their name are the ones, but I'm here to tell you that your neighbors, people right here in our own community are doing the same thing. And I want to share their stories with you. So I'm very proud to have today's guest join us. I met Tracy, oh my gosh, probably six or seven years ago. Tracy has been on quite the journey and has come out the other side. So I'm honored that you are here to share all the highs, the lows of where you have been and the choices and the changes that you have made. So thanks so much for joining me today, Tracy. I'm very grateful for your time and for your friendship. Thanks so much. Yeah. So how about you start by telling us a little bit about some of the earliest moments that you can remember of feeling questioning, questioning mm-hmm. or signs that something wasn't quite resonating with you. Some, some things that may have been your, your moments of just questioning and tapping into your own uh, intuition.
1: Well, first, I'd like to say thank you for having me. I still recall, and as you said, it's six or seven years ago, but one of my periods in life when I was questioning things, I first met you, Pam, when I was curious about essential oils.
0: and That's right.
1: You know, I think I had seen you do a meditation workshop, probably with Tina Pomroy, mm-hmm. who did a, lots of meditation work. And you guys facilitated something, and I was like, I remember that woman Pam does essential oil stuff. So we we chatted outside chapters, and you were just you were an inspiration to me. And I mean, your story so inspirational to me. I was I was honored to know that oh. I was inspiring you too, right? Yes. So, so. So I guess for me, one of the big moments, I guess I call them pivotal moments in life. I've been divorced since 2001, so it's a long time, but certainly divorce comes with huge questioning or challenges or whatever you want to call it. My kids were three and five, actually, and the big moment for me was just realizing I had to stand on my own. I had to figure out how to parent these two kids. Their dad was involved, certainly very close by, but it was just a huge shock to the system because it wasn't necessarily predicted.
0: Right, right.
1: And so for me... It was the catalyst of, I, I didn't work. I was a stay at home mom. I actually worked for my ex-husband. So at that point I had no career. I had done an undergrad in psychology, but I worked home care. Yes. So as you know, it's close to minimum wage. And I only dabbled in that. I was a student assistant and I worked for him. So the kids were young. So lots of fear, lots of trying to figure out, what do I do? And I've always been someone to kind of push to figure things out myself. I'm very independent. I grew up with a single mother in Toronto. So it's just myself and my sister. And I mean, she was my, she still is my biggest inspiration because I knew that if my mother could do it, then I thought, okay, I can figure this out. And I actually applied to do my master's in counseling. So I started grad school with two toddlers and I worked part-time. And don't ask me how I got the master's. (laughs) I don't know, but I did. And to be honest, even then, it was tapping into my biggest tool, the self-care tool, has always been journaling and writing. So part of my program, we had to do a lot of self-reflection. And I remember resisting it, of course. No one wants to journal about it. Um, And I kind of hated one prof in particular. (laughs) You know, at that time, you know, you got two toddlers home and you're grieving and you're trying to figure it out. I did not want him questioning me on my self-reflection about divorce, right? Yeah. So he's
0: pushing you out of your comfort zone at that level of control.
1: Yep. Definitely. And it's such a catch 22 because I'm such a doer and a fixer, but that's anxiety driven. That's sort of ADHD driven, which I've only really discovered in the last few years to, you know, I don't like
0: labels, but that's what it is. A little bit of a survival instinct motivating you along the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting thing now that I've learned so much more about reflection and spirit going deeper that I know I'm a doer, but trying to discern between overdoing it with self-care or diving into things. Because even then, journaling about my divorce, it was therapy, it was good, but it was a project. So I guess for me, over the years, anytime I've had that challenge, it's trying to step back and say, okay, can I take the self-care piece and kind of roll with it and not creative as, okay, I have to do this.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's many points there that you've just hit on. First of all, when you are thrown for a loop, Mm -hmm. without that career to fall back on, as an yep. automatic thing. I mean, I'm sure there must've been 10,000 emotions coming okay. at you and where you could've went with it. Cause that, that's a tall order that you've yep. put in for yourself at the time. Cause a lot of people will will find it so challenging to get out of that and go into a depression when, when you have been dependent on another. And of course everything is an exchange. You were You were receiving something from your partner and giving yep. and vice versa. So, but to have that one thing removed, and then all of a sudden you're on your own, that, that must have been be huge to be. raise two small kids yeah. and put yourself in the uh, university as a single It's
1: when I look back at it, because I mean, I did eventually find the right therapist for myself, which I still see today, you know, no shame in Finding the right person, absolutely. (laughs) No, not at all.
0: And it's not one size fits all either.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it took a while because trying to find a therapist as a counselor, for me, it's that shame part of, you know, well, I can figure this out. So it took a while because I thought that going through the program, oh, I know all about mental health, so I can fix myself. But Mm -hmm. I really did. Tap into my lifelong positive spin because I still remember people who wanted me to be bitter and to badmouth my ex and be angry and all that. And even back then, I would give him a higher perspective. Like I didn't soak myself in that bitterness. Now I had those moments, absolutely. There was lots of bad mouthing in my journal or wherever.
0: Ah, but since you, so you had it. a higher awareness that you mindfully chose where to place that. That's right, yeah. So you did allow it to come out, but you mindfully chose where to place it.
1: Yeah. and so there's and, a higher it, wisdom there. And it was tapping into it probably through desperation, right? I've always kind of defaulted to seeing the positive wherever I can find it, or the gratitude. And mm-hmm. I guess that's something I learned. I don't know when, but I know as a small child, I can remember meditating at 10 years old, sitting on a chair. Wow. And and my sister at the time was like, what the heck are you
0: doing? <laughs> right? So you knew what you were doing then, or, or it was something that you just felt like a natural thing to do would be to sit and just
1: yeah. be? just kind of sad. I used to love, uh, we grew up in Ontario, so there were cliffs called the Scarborough Bluffs, and of course they're dangerous, it's cliffs, so I'd always be told my mother would still get mad if she knew, stay away from the bluffs, but I'd always go there and sit, because I was just amazed by the energy I'd get. And it would always come around to just, how can I see the positive in this? And I, I wasn't conscious of it back then, or even going through the divorce. I don't think I was as intentional as I was just following instinct. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, that's
0: pretty brave to follow that instinct.
1: And And like I said, it definitely wasn't perfect. I mean... He'd probably say the complete opposite, but I know from my kids who are now in their 20s, they will even give me credit for, I put them first. I tried not to get consumed with bitterness. I've always kind of tried to explain maybe their dad's actions or explain conflict so that they're not
0: feeling it's about them. So mm-hmm. they weren't taking you know, on yeah, uh, yeah. the responsibility or guilt for it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I guess that's one of the pivotal moments, I guess, as far as me tapping into some gratitude or different perspective. Yeah, I was lucky enough that it kind of led into a job. So When I first graduated, I actually worked as an advocate for Sexual Assault Center, which was huge, you know, huge amounts of vicarious trauma, probably burnout. Like there was so much that affected me negatively, but there was so much good to that work. So I think my pivotal moments were also around the work I did and then just trying to empower my kids through that. So I think for me, I carried that into my next job, which was working with family court and actually practicing and teaching other people what I had learned through my divorce. So it was actually That's the a nice job.
0: way, isn't it? When you can teach from the heart, when you can yeah. relate to others and, yeah. and what you've learned. So Tracy, yeah. looking back at that relationship, you know, that you received your two beautiful gifts from. Yeah. What do you see that relationship to be? Can you look back now and see what the mismatch was, as well as, of course, you know, there was a match of some sort. What was your main lessons from that?
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, for a lot of years, I was very anxious as a parent. My oldest child would say, I mean, they suffer with anxiety. They're open about it. My son is open that he's got ADHD. Some of that comes from their dad, too. But mm-hmm. my biggest lesson I wish I had learned more about mindfulness and being present when they were younger, but then I don't live in regret because they will still say, I was a lot more present than I would give myself credit for, right?
0: Yeah. We're always our own worst, worst uh, we're always judge. Our own right
1: worst yeah. Yeah. I was, I was coping. You know, I coped by throwing myself into work. We did shared parenting. I think for a lot of years, I was actually stuck in blaming my ex for the issues I saw with the kids because they had a lot of challenges, definitely in their school years lots of bullying, lots of anxiety, that kind of stuff. And I think my biggest lesson was just to have faith that I'm actually doing the best I can in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you and think that maybe some of the things that you experienced or seen or felt from your childhood as being a child of a single parent kind of crept their way into the dynamic of your marriage? Yes, definitely. And then after, yeah. So if you could tell us if you had any realizations or things about that, that you've observed yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much because as you probably know, I mean, we take on the epigenetics of parents. My father passed when I was three years old. He died in a car accident, which of course left my mother an unplanned single mother. A lot of that trauma was growing up without a father. She didn't Mm -hmm. remember. So when I met my husband at the time, It was to create that nuclear family and commitment at an early age when you're not even sure. I was married at 21, right? Really young, which a lot of people were. But I think learning that, okay, all of the things that I was trying to create, I was stuck with it from a perspective of control, right? Making it work, stay for the kids, do all that. And Uh I think actually... I took on the bravery and independence, I think, of my mother Mm -hmm. because I chose, I mean, it was a mutual decision, but I chose to give up the marriage. Like we both were gone and just taking that leap when they were so young and not staying for the kids, I realized was for the kids.
0: Yeah. You made a lot of big decisions and faced a lot of big feelings yeah along the way and I'm sure there was moments of overwhelm
1: (laughs) lots still right lots of times and I think what really truly kind of saved me or got me through that when I got my job at family court I started doing my first yoga classes actually around 2009 LB power Laura Beth used to come to my office so Ah. I still remember I was trying to be fit so I had actually started running and I was planning to do the telly so yoga was something that I could just do oh I could learn to stretch um, yes, and
0: physical but, standpoint
1: yeah and of course I hear so many people say that that it started as a physical you know oh, this will be good for me I still remember being so inspired by her story even how she started which kind of similar and just realizing it's so much deeper, you know, yoga can do so much, you just got to lean into it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, now, and that part that you just nailed, leaning into it, leaning into the unfamiliar, yeah, can and be a very everything. challenging thing to everything.
1: do. And that's what I've been doing for so many years, all these different challenges. And I think that's one of the big things I've learned is you just, you lean in because you can't Mm -hmm. stop anything from being difficult. And if you come back to whatever self-care, I say self-care, for me, it's nature, hiking, sitting by a beach, journaling, breathing, yoga, meditation comes and goes. That one's kind of hard because you resist, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's not easy.
1: And I'm a doer. I think my biggest challenge since those early years, because it's easy when the kids are young, you can be a doer. You just go, go, go. It really can
0: justify the not making the time and sitting down. It's easier to get away with it.
1: Yeah. And it's all about them. I mean, my kids now are in their 20s. My son's applied to law school. So, I mean, he's well on his way to do whatever he's going to do and he has said, you were always putting us first. Same with my daughter. You don't take the time to kind of just figure out how you feel. But I realized I was doing it by proxy because I would play with the kids. We would have water fights outside. I always wanted to do sensory stuff with the kids. I can tell you this as an example. So the feminist approach or sort of the independence. When my daughter was, I don't know, 10 or 11, I was very involved, they had this Dove sleepover stuff. And okay. a, the Dove company had like empowerment for girls.
0: Oh yes, yes, right? yeah, great. So like,
1: I would do those things that actually helped me be mindful and helped me feel a bit more connected. And also teaching them some independence or whatever you want to call it, I guess, feminism, ideals, equality, which was really self-care for me. Because it was Mm -hmm. nurturing me feeling that, okay, it's okay to be a single parent. It's okay to kind of be in the moment and be chaotic if you're chaotic. I realized looking back, we did do a lot of that stuff and I just didn't.
0: Didn't know it at the time, it was officially that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say I did it for me. It would all be, oh, I did it for them, but I got lots out of it too, right? That's right.
0: There's so many ways where it can seep in and that seed be planted.
1: Yeah, for sure.